Welcome, podcast friends and fans. Fran is falling forward with my next exciting guest. This young woman takes old zippers that are made into clutches, defective clothing that's made into bags, and recycled aluminum windows that are made into jewelry. I'm talking about Bunny Yan. She is a marketing advisor turned fashion edutainer. She produces a fun IGTV series on the fascinating side of sustainable fashion. Hey, Bunny, how are you, girl? What is happening, Fran? Happy <laughs> to be on. Yes, and www.instagram.com. So, Bunny. Yes, with three O's, everybody, three O's, because you got oh, to elongate that. So, Bunny. <laughs> when is your next project coming up? Oh, well, I pretty much do a video every week, and I wow. also have a uh, bi-weekly segment called Eco as Fuck. Sorry, you have to bleep that out, where I interview <laughs> students from around the world on their kick-ass eco project. Myself, all my topics are focusing on making sustainable fashion a bit more less guilt-trippy and less dull, more focusing on short bite-sized entertainment that you just accidentally learn something from. And how did you get started on this whole thing? You're an environmental activist turned fashion designer. The other way around, I went to FIT as a fashion designer. My passion, however, I like to see link in everything. I like to see why is a designer can make a dress with 10 buttons production then come back with only seven because you can't produce with a certain budget how come the merchandiser then change the color into red because the previous sale suggests red is better that they cannot take a chance on another color i love the reason why everything worked together not until when i start visiting factories in china and seeing how much waste that's actually getting thrown out just because the color is dyed a little bit too dark, that's going to get shredded into garbage. When I go, oh, wow, that is actual problem. When you hear numbers like million, billions, as much as huge, you just don't feel it. It's not like visual when you see mountain of clothes getting shredded. At that time, I wasn't thinking about environmental activism. I was more thinking about, wait, you're going to away and sell it for how much? I give you a little bit more. I can save money as a designer making stuff that the production cost is a lot less and profitability margin can go up. That was the start of it, of it all, the transformation part and the creativity. And from then, I start gathering upcycle, recycle uh, designers all around me who produce products that looks not DIY, but functional, beautiful, and fashion-forward items. And I opened China's very first sustainable gift shop to the point that we were voted the best shop in China by Time Out Magazine. Wow. uh, Yeah, it was really cool. And then I envisioned a bigger project to link all the defective and all the overstock from factories and bigger brands to all the designers to use. And that startup was able to accept it into a business incubator we were able to raise like half a million dollar fund and we oh got invited to the White House. Oh my God. 
You went to the Obama White House. Oh, girl, you got to tell me what was that like? I want to know all the details. Uh, it was so funny when I got that email coming through saying that you you know you invited to the White House. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. You know, this is scam. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, we we have a Siberian prince over here that needs money. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think how White House exactly going to contact you through letters, through pigeon, I don't know. I just didn't think it would be through email. Not until the second one that's asking for a security check. Then I'm like, wait, you don't want money from me? (laughs) 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 Oh, 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 okay. That was freaking awesome. How did you handle that situation? I honestly almost thought I would get security out because at that time I was holding my iPad I didn't have my phone on me to take a picture. So now I'm like in the audience looking at Obama, holding up this big device and thinking to myself, please don't think I'm trying to hold up any weapon. I just want (laughs) to. What an honor. How did you make the leap from seeing all of this fabric that was just being discarded into a vision and then into a profitable business plan? How did you break that down? How did you do that? Always been a very fearless person, I am. I just don't think that I shouldn't go for it. Anytime I have an idea, hard, not hard, possible, not possible, I always like to just at least take that first step. For me at the time, it was just, hey, all of these beautiful material are getting wasted. Eh, let me do something about it. There weren't this like aha moment when it comes to like our planet is in trouble. I need to do something now. I always like to find the voice, the profitability, the reason, the more empathetic way that can work together. Not just saying that, oh, this can only be great because you're not making money and because your NGO ain't doing out of your heart. It can be both. It can definitely be something that you can live off of and be good for the planet. So like fast forward to now, I have worked with a lot of company, how to help them convey their eco messages into something that's more resonate, that resonate with their audience more. And also I incorporate their marketing or production waste into the marketing campaign. Can you share, give us an example? How did you, how do you see something working for something and say, hey, Think about it this way, because that's what artists do. Artists think outside of the box. And artists are also very much committed to making our world a better place to live. And this is what attracted me to you as a person, is that you're not just making money. You are paying it forward in so many ways. That's what I just admire about what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. For me, working with brands, I always want to know their desired outcome. Example with Tom Shoes, what they want to do is have a great uh, opening for their China stores. So I work with local designers and grab their defective shoes and create one of a kind pieces for their openings. The idea was to auction off the shoes, but the outcome was so great and everybody social media posting it, reposting it and got so many pictures. They actually decided to tour the shoes for all their openings. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was really great. And on the bigger bulk part, 
when you have defective shoes, when it comes to shoe brand, there's like a marking on it, or there's like rubber glue print saying that it cannot be removed. A lot of time, what you can do is just honestly, I'm not saying that that's the only way, but when it comes to big quantities, if you just donate to another facility, another country, there's like a whole load of process. So what I do is I find an after-school kids program and they take the shoes and they were able to paint on them so you no longer can see the defect. And then they get donated to the Philippines for the most needier part. For the brand, that means they don't have to pay the money to burn the shoes or warehouse the shoes. They get a marketing piece out of it. They get their shoe fixed for free and they get tax write-off when become a donation. So it's like a win-win-win situation. Win, win, win. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. What I also noted about this whole process that you have created is there is an educational component. And as you may or may not know, I was an English and theater teacher, high school, for 30 years. And I was also an adjunct professor in educational theater at NYU. And one of the things that I always look for is how can I take what I know and pay it forward? And that's something that you do. Yes. It's really fun to work with all the brands and all, but there's also a lot of bureaucracy. For me, I see all the content out there when it comes to eco and sustainability. They're usually really long, dull, and full of guilt. Like, we're not doing enough. You need to be a better person. When we are living in a very stressful community and environment, especially right now, there is a low-grade stress already in your day-to-day life. The last thing you want to do is look up a giant piece of article with terms that you don't understand and trying to, I'm air quoting here, educate yourself. So I want to make, well, content, like how I want to consume it, short, funny, and just enough so I can see the hope and the positivity, the call to action of what I can do instead of just like, you're a bad person. But the secondary, it's also a very selfish reason is I need a creative outlet to myself. Being in fashion and marketing, focused on sustainability for 20 plus years, I'm in a lot of circuit on panels and speaking engagement and keynotes. But me, myself, I am loud. I'm very colorful. I'm Asian. I look young. If I don't put on a certain persona or outfit, I look like an intern. Although there's nothing wrong being loud and flashy and peacock around, it just you give yourself an extra barrier for people to prejudge before they get to know you. And it's yeah. really tiring. And I yeah. want to have that feel and that look for other people out there who is feeling the same thing. Just like why does each industry have to have their distinctive look or typecast? You can do it whichever that fits your personality and not just trying to fit in what the mainstream is like. That's another reason why it inspired me to start that segment, Eco AF, is all the Gen Z out there that we're constantly talking about that they're going to change the world. But if you go to the conferences, you don't really see they're getting invited. They're speaking about their project. And with my segment, Eco AF, I really want to give a platform for all the eco innovators out there to talk about their coolest sustainable projects, experiences combined with their innovation and creativity. And uh, I just go, you know what? I'm going to start that segment. 
so far um that's only been like two months i have interviewed students from central st martin in london who's turning packagings into fashion the kids in turkey who's turning food waste into fabric dye into their collection i'm talking to biofabricator that's turning bacteria into new fiber and use a biomimicry to make better material and bioplastic. And I'm about to talk to somebody who's doing algae yarn. It's just like incredible projects and they're still all in school and just amazing. Bravo, because as a high school teacher, I never underestimated what my students could do. There was never any thought of me thinking, well, you're only 15 years old. You're only 17 years old. My feeling was, hey, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, you can do something. You can make change. I mean, look at Greta Thunberg. How amazing is that? And I'm just so glad that there are people like you who see the promise in these young people and say, step up to the plate. Here you go. Here's the bat. Knock it out of the park. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. When you were talking to me before about being raised in China and seeing this work and changing this work, is your family any part of this ability for you to create this kind of work? Did they play any role? Um, no. <laughs> well, uh, my personality and how I am always embraced being individual. Yes, that's my mom raising me, always speak up and do what I feel is right. She kind of free range me <laughs> when raising. And that is great because China at that time, it's all about following the rules, listen to your teacher. doesn't matter if you think it's right or not. I have always been the type of kid questioning if you are asking me to do certain things, if I don't see a reason, why am I doing it? But because I was made in China and exported to U.S. when I was 12, I don't really have that base vocabulary on the more technical term on Chinese uh, language. So it's really hard for me to convey these things to my mom. I just usually tell her, every now and then a couple of clips I did or random things without really bringing the giant picture of sustainability. Because I, I also come in turn with, we are not all from the same era. We value the same thing, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be a good person and appreciate things that you have done. So I stopped being frustrated. I'm not able to explain to my mother and just appreciate her being her. I can relate because I was brought up in a large Italian family and a culture that, you know, girls got married, had babies, and uh, I just I just rebelled, just wasn't part of my DNA. And I basically defied my parents and said, this is what I want to do. I want to do something in the arts. I want to do something on the stage. And I I did it. I just did it. And I have a number of students that I can look back on and be proud that I was part of that force that encouraged them to pursue their dreams. Do you have like a favorite student or a project or an idea that you're really proud that you got to implement? Uh, things uh, from the students or 
Yes, from the students. Yeah. Huh. I. Okay, now that I'm playing like the, the the parent and trying to go like, no, everybody's special, but everybody is special. They're all doing very different things and from different angles. Everybody's journey is super unique. One of the things I love doing before jumping on, like you do too, is to just have a conversation before the call and just hear their journey, their story, the type of things that you normally would not hear if you don't just like be a friend. And I am just genuinely like everybody's journey stories. Not only can you find reflection yourself in there, you also get inspired of the things that everybody else overcome. It's never when it comes to innovation creation that you usually see all the uh, painful process, all the things people need to overcome either on a culture level, on family level, or on skill level, you only see the more beautiful, successful picture. And I love to hear these stories and feel grounded also, and just realize right now the time is not the same as before. And there's a lot of prejudgment that I even have still, even though I'm in the youth circle a lot, that I can go, oh, I, I guess that has changed. And I update my inner files to all yeah. these great uh, accomplished. So they, they are a wonderful rainbow of colors. Cannot yes. really pick out which one. You know, you bring, you're, you're bringing up something else that I've been thinking about is we are in a very dire, traumatic time. And as someone from Chinese heritage, how has this whole racial divide awareness impacted you and your work? This topic is quite grand. I can go many different ways. If I want to bring my heritage into this, I think over the time, over the journey of me going from fashion designer to fashion marketing advisor and to edutainer is a journey of appreciating myself and mixed heritage that I have. I remember beginning to trying to get rid of my accent, to trying to blend in in the way that's more fitted to a western culture like way back it's a while ago then little by little you start noticing now you're trying to blend into your work environment then you're trying to blend maybe through your friends or people you hang out with until the day you go well f all of these <laughs> it's pretty tiring to be everybody's bunny that what they think bunny is and just kind of Go back to your childhood when you do things that just makes you happy, but also incorporate what you have learned as adult is how that affects on everybody else. Not the judgmental uh, side, not what they think you are, but more of the effect you have. If that and is all positive, then just be you. That's what's so wonderful is that you can serve as a role model. Young Chinese Asian girls will see you and say, if Bunny did it, so can I. Why not? And you lift up these young people and validate their art, their vision through your work. And I, I just applaud you. I'm just so thrilled oh, you. that you are doing this kind of work and making this kind of, of difference, which is why I wanted to have you on my podcast and just talk about from the start of your project to where you are now and where do you see going forward? 
going forward, now that I have my own IGTV series on <laughs> fun side of sustainable fashion, I am actually working on a series where a couple of uh, media companies turn it into a series for streaming, either uh, Netflix level or bite-sized content for platform close to Quibi-ish. And I'm also looking at bordering international channels, China, US, global, talk about things that I really find fascinating, upcycling, sustainability, and fashion. Do you have like a favorite project? My, I have to tell you, my favorite project is the one where you made these beautiful, classy clutches from recycled wine corks. I want one. How do I get one? Oh, yeah. When I have my sustainable gift shop, these are all different brands and artisans that I found put their beautiful products into my shop. Uh, Rui, I think she's still making it. I can connect you with her uh, afterwards. And the cork clutches are from recycled cork from Portugal. They make, I know, and they have even a color one that I really like when you see like little color facets in between all the brown and the beige and just gorgeous. It's also I know, it's beautiful. I printed out a picture of it. It's absolutely (laughs) gorgeous. And I'm sure what I'll do is I'll add the links so people who want to buy and purchase some of these products can look into it and purchase it for themselves. Well, it looks like this is a wrap. And (laughs) no pun intended. Bunny, I am just so thrilled that you got to share all of your ideas with me, and I can't wait to see what's coming next. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So uh, prepare for my show coming up. I will definitely update you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Bye. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hare Media and recorded at WeCheap Studio Productions. <laughs>